And now, a Breakthrough Basketball original podcast, The Jim Huber Show. After basketball, his dream is to become a rodeo clown. Jim Huber. Hey, everybody. Oh, it's hard work being this good. I was like, ow. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like a, a big choo-choo train. We join the Jim Huber Show, already in progress. I did that with not having any type of medication. <laughs> we are much more interested in playing games and winning and losing at a young, young, young age than we are in skill development. So I would say this to all of the youth coaches here, even more than the high school coaches, is you have to make a decision if you want to teach the kids that you're coaching how to play basketball or if you just want to win games. Let's talk today about winning at all costs. Winning at all, I hear you say a lot and you get angry when you see things in youth basketball, coach. They make you nuts, I know, because I, I listen to you. <laughs> okay, you get a little crazy about it. And I'm going to say it again. You do not want to make an enemy out of me. I'm not having it. Lighten up, Francis. <laughs> what are some of the things you're seeing in youth basketball win at all costs? I know zone defense is one that drives you crazy. Well, first of all, it doesn't teach individuals how to truly guard, okay? And so most of the coaches that teach his own defense, sick kids and what, they put them in just spots, areas. Hey, stand here, hands up, you know. And it works. It works in youth because – Kids well, because kids can't shoot from, from long distance. They're not great passers. Early. They're not strong enough to throw the skip pass, right. okay, which, can, you know, skip pass can be effective against the zone. Also, they're not strong enough sometimes to penetrate into gaps, get into gaps. and So you win. You win the tournament, you get your medals, but the kids don't learn anything. No, it, the, the, the hardest thing is about, like, in, even on the defensive end, when those kids don't learn how to – Usually when people teach zones, they're not teaching kids they're not teaching kids the defensive fundamentals breakdown drills, like how to close out, how to help how to sprint theirs, how to help, how to recover, right. how to get through screens, whatever it might be. Right. And they don't teach them that. So what happens is as these kids get older, especially when they get into close to like middle school, especially the high school, and they get up and they're playing for a coach that might be playing a man to man defense and they have no idea. Right. They have no idea how to guard and defend. Right. So now those kids, maybe conceptually, they don't know how to play right on the defensive end. They might not be really skilled in some areas. And now their chances become more limited. And so for me is – Would you outlaw the zone altogether? And if so, what age would you do that? I would I – would, if I'm – if I'm an individual and I if can be If you're the charge, czar of basketball, they, they say, Coach. I'm commissioner. You're the I'm man. in charge, right? I'm sitting there saying to, to individuals, you're not teaching a zone defense. A zone defense does not get taught until the eighth grade. And you're teaching man-to-man principles, half court, how to guard, and then full court pressure to get kids understanding how to guard in the full court and how to rotate and sprint out of areas of getting beat and help them recover. And then you're teaching kids on the offensive end you know, how to play against full-court pressure, how to break it, right. how to attack it. Um, you, so you teach them skills in the offensive end as well. Now, Breakthrough, though, they had an article, okay? I read an article Joe wrote, uh, Hafner. And in the comments section, there was a lot of interesting comments, a lot of feedback. And most people were with you. Hey, teach a man-to-man until a certain age and zone. But there were some people that said, hey, when I teach a zone, I can play the weaker players on the team in third through 
eighth grade. They can play because man to man, sometimes they can't match up. Kids can guard if you teach them how to guard. It's like anything in life. If you teach somebody how to do something and you give them reps over and over, they can get better. Right. Okay. Are they going to be a, a lockdown uh, Gary Payton, the glove defender? Right. No. But can you teach every kid enough to get on? You the can floor? teach them principles. Right. You can teach them philosophies, principles, and you can teach them skill sets of how to do things, and they're going to get better as time goes on. Is and, and the thing is, like their maturation as they grow into their bodies will get better. But my biggest thing is this. As these kids get into the high school age, the kids I coach when they go, they enter into high school that I've had at the youth, I feel very confident when they go in there, they usually make teams and they succeed. And they know how to guard. Yeah. Because and, and, and the coaches will mention that and they right. communicate well, they talk, they do things. Right. And, and your college guys that you've coached, like when Ben Richardson shows up at Loyola Chicago, he's ready to guard. Yeah, as but a like, like Willie Cully Stein. Tom I mean, Tom. You know, Calipari's sitting there saying he's one of the better defenders right. that he's had. And you look at, like, David Kravish going and playing for Montgomery at, at Cal University, Cal Berkeley when he was there. Same thing. These guys are some of the better defenders that they've ever had. And it's given them the opportunity as a freshman to step on and play the court and right. play quality minutes yeah. and get that opportunity. The hardest thing for a kid, college coach will tell you, one of the biggest transitions from high school to college is kids understanding how to guard how to really defend. And a lot of kids, they have no clue. And what do you say to your teams about the importance of winning? Because you do play to win the game, but how do you explain it to the kids when you got a youth team? Not, I'm not talking about the EYBL teams you've coached. I mean a youth team. Yeah, even even you know the youth and even EYBL, it doesn't matter. Is To me, I talk to kids about this, is the scoreboard can be deceiving. And what I mean by that is you can play a team – that is not very good and you didn't play well and you beat him by like three points right and everybody's what they're all excited hey, cheering clapping oh cool. you know parents what a parents, great job sure and me as a coach i know we didn't do a good job and you're unhappy i know we didn't play hard right you know we didn't rebound we didn't take care of the basketball, whatever it be right so and then you play a team that's really good that's more talented and their coach well whatever it might be and you lose by one or two right but you play great yeah and everybody's down. They're discouraged or disappointed. But you as a coach, you're you're now mature enough to understand that that is a victory yeah. for your well, kids well, because ultimately you're trying to get them better, right? Yeah, and my thing is I go back to like when you look at like Nick Saban, Greg Popovich, and they talk about the process. To me, it's about the process. It's like, okay, are we being the best version of ourselves today? And are we sitting there focusing on the next play, the next possession, the next rep? And are we being the best we can be? And if we're doing that, then success will take care of itself. But too many individuals get focused on just the scoreboard in general, and they don't think about the process and being their best at what they do. And that's where I think coaches kind of mess up with it. And that's where I think you need to explain to parents too about winning and losing and what it is and about your focus on the process and how you're going to go about it through practices and the season and how it's all going to come together. What are some other things that you wouldn't do to win as a youth basketball coach that you see people doing? I see individuals that, you know, I've had it before, is uh, they'll have like seven, eight kids, and they'll play five kids. And I have eight, nine kids or whatever, and I'm going to play all my kids. What else? Um, I think for me, also I see like individuals will have a team at the beginning of the season. 
right? Right. And they'll have, say, these are my 10 kids. Got the roster set. And all of a sudden, throughout the year, they'll invite kids to show up to practice. Suddenly a six-foot-five kid shows up. Yeah, you'll have kids like, oh, parents all the time. Well, they're having like two or three kids show up every week to practice. And then all of a sudden, and this might be like halfway in the season or three-fourths away down the season, and now these kids start playing. Right. And those kids that have been there the whole time for you practicing, now they don't play that much. Right. And I tell my kids at the youth level what I tell them. And the last couple years, I have a team that say, you're my guys. I'm not going to pick anybody else up. Unless you quit or don't want to play or whatever, but it doesn't happen. But if you did, you know, we maybe pick somebody else up, but you are my nine, ten guys. Right. And I'm going with you. And we're going to get better. We're going to develop. We're going to have some success. We're going to, you know, we're going to have some challenges here and there, but we're going to get better. Let me ask you this, because I'm curious what you think about it. I was watching the Rockets play the other night in the Warriors, and James Harden's defense, the effort, I've never seen anything that sad or pathetic in my life. I mean, I could have guarded better. Than James Harden, James Harden. But my question is, why do they put up with that? Why would a coach put up with that? Why would teammates put up with that? Michael Jordan would slap that beard off his face in the locker room after. He would never put up with yeah, that. Yeah, but think about why this. Why is it okay now? But think, and, and now they're getting rid of Dwight Howard. Okay, he's gone and whatever. But now they're going to let James Harden be a part of picking the next coach and signing free agents. Because it goes this in the NBA. It's Why about, would you it's do about that? the superstars. And they see Harden as being one of the top 10 players in the NBA, and they have him. He's not a super. What's he well, won? That, that's what they see. What has he won? What is but, a but superstar? But when you look at it, when people don't look at it that, that way, they look at numbers, what numbers that people put up. They don't. He is the best player, best potential player on that team. He's looked at as the superstar of that team. So they don't have a Michael Jordan was the best player of that team. He was the alpha dog, and he's going to go in and knock. Why wouldn't around. a coach put a film session together and go, James, and show it in front of the whole team and say, "Look at this"? But I think it goes back to what this. are you doing? It's like earlier this past year when we we talked about you know Kevin Durant and you know Westbrook, and and the conversation was you know how hard they work and how good leaders they are, great right. leaders. So I think you have to decide as an organization if if I'm the CEO, president, general manager. Coat, whatever it is, I'm going to know, like, if I'm bringing my, my superstar player, better be my best player in the sense he better be the hardest worker. He better be a great defender. He better be a great leader. And you better have certain intangibles in that individual if you're going to go out and attempt to win a championship. But why would they do that? Why would they say, okay, you can pick the next coach, you can do the draft picks, and you don't have to play defense, James? Why Why on earth? You're not going to win anything. That's almost losing at any cost. I mean, you're. That, he's never going to win anything. The best thing they can do right now is get like a Jeff Van Gundy, somebody coming in there that's they defense, tough-minded. They I had know, that. And they fired well, that guy. I, I'm just saying they really need somebody like Jeff Van Gundy is a defensive-minded guy, toughness, that type. I think they need a guy like that. When I see people make decisions and they they get players like that and that's their focus, I know they're not going to win the, the championship, the title. Do they know that? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a great question. Some of them can be like you know caught up in the fool's gold and thinking that that's going to happen. But I just think when you go into the playoffs and you get into the – especially the semifinals. If your toughest guy doesn't defend, you have no chance. Yeah, you got to defend a rebound, especially when it gets to that part, and you got to you know have toughness and execute. And So who's going to win it this year, Jimmy? 
Well, my heart wants to go with the San Antonio Spurs, which is kind of opening up. If uh, is that because they're old guys like us? Well, yeah, all but you no, know, I just old? like the way they do things. They play great. I just, I just like to see organizations that do it the right way. That the the coach is the coach, players are the players. They work together. Uh, they get over themselves. They they're focused on a common goal. Um, I, I root for those type of teams. Let's go to high school and winning at all costs because <clears throat> some of them think that other coaches are cheating against them, that they're recruiting kids, that kids are submitting false addresses and then playing and all sorts of shenanigans are going on. And there's always a couple coaches in the league that the other guys think are doing that. How do you compete and beat people that are doing that when those kids are showing up and suddenly moving in or, you know, six foot nine? Well, it goes back to this way we tell our kids you got to focus on what what you, you can control. Yeah. And I think the first thing you have to start with is you have to figure out how you can control things within your program. Now, if I'm a high school coach, or I hear this with gra- grassroots basketball, I get calls from people like, I can't believe like that individual program took this kid and got him to go there. It's It, it happens all over. Right. It's I was, recruiting, is, recruiting is recruiting at the college, at the grassroots, at the high school. And it can be sometimes cutthroat. You'd hope individuals want to sit there and come play for you and your program and what you stand for. So my biggest thing would be to say the coaches is find ways that you're attractive. Your program you know, can be attractive for players to want to play for you in the system you run and what you do. And maybe parents are also attractive because, you know, how you develop their, their sons into being great men and successful young men. So I'm focusing on that, and I'm focused on the things I do within my program to get my kids being the best that they can be skill-wise, the best that they can be you know, on the floor conceptually with what we run, with our philosophies, playing harder than any other team out there, playing, playing better, better like just as a team together, as teammates, and doing all the little things much better than anybody else. What do you think about, like, I told you a while back that uh, someone told me that they went to a tournament and a kid did really well for a team and they won the tournament. And immediately after the tournament, the team that they beat signs, well, I mean, recruits, whatever you want to call it, the MVP of the team that beat them, just jump ship right to another team. What do you think about that? Well, I, I told somebody that talked to me about that as well. Here's what I told them. I want to develop a program. I want to be a coach. I want to have it set up to where you play for me, right? And we get done winning a tournament. Then we have success. And somebody walks up to you and asks you to go play for them. And I want it to take place where you say, no, I'm staying here because this is the best fit for me. Us with Mocan, we've had individuals that come and try to take players away. Mm -hmm. It, It consistently happens. But you want to be in a situation where those kids don't want to leave. Right, where they're loyal. and They want to stay. Right. Because they see it as a value. I mean, you have to become value, right, for players, for parents, that they see that, that they know this is where I have to stay. And I think instead of, you know, crying about it or getting, you know, you can get frustrated, upset, because that's, that's normal emotions. But now you got to look at what can we do to become better? What can I do to make sure that doesn't happen again? How do people get a hold of you if they want to email Coach? They go to coach.huber, H-U-B-E-R, at BreakthroughBasketball.com. Coach, I've heard you mention winning at all costs mentality. But in this day of medals 
for just participating isn't emphasizing winning important. I don't think we emphasize winning enough anymore. Coach Ann in Maryland. You know, you definitely, when you compete, you're trying to succeed, right? You play to win the yeah, game, you, as Herm Edwards not, would say, right? You yeah. play to win the game. Okay, let's go youth level. All right. They have, say, 10 kids on a team, right? And they're in a competitive game, and the coach plays like six kids, and four kids just sit there. Now, those kids are probably at practice throughout the week, and they're working hard. They might not be as skilled or talented as some of the other kids, but in my mindset, what are you trying to do? Are you going to allow those kids to participate and be a part of the process? Or are you going to focus on just the five, six kids that you have that's going to help you, quote, unquote, win a game? Right on the scoreboard. Right. So I've seen it where some like parent would be like, oh, this this kid that's like the eighth, ninth kid, he's horrible. He's not any good, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you take your son and you put him on maybe a higher level team, your son is going to maybe be that kid. So sometimes as parents, you got to watch what you say and how you go about it. Um, but I think it's as coaches and parents, to me is what are we trying to do? Are we trying to develop them as better players and better better people? Are we sitting or focused on just winning medals and trophies in a game and we're only going to play a certain amount of kids and forget the other ones? And this this is what I'm talking about, like the third through kind of eighth grade. You get into high school, you get into college, that's different. I mean, that becomes a different different animal when you're talking varsity, a basketball team. Well, you got to win or you get yeah, fired. Yeah, and that's going to happen. And those kids, at that point, they got to make decisions, like how much time they're putting in it. Um, now you know kind of how those kids have developed and evolved usually once again in the junior, senior years, what, what they've become. You, the so third to eighth age. grade, you're saying everybody should play equal. Well, here's what I say. If, if for example, if it's a pay-to-play situation and a lot of those situ- teams out there are pay-to-play, if parents are paying the same amount of money for practices and games, to me as a coach, I'm going to sit there and find a way to have your kid play. Okay, now I go back to this, though, and I tell coaches this all the time. So you have uh, two 20-minute running halves, right? Okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're playing the first half, and now we come to the second half, and maybe it's the last five, six minutes or whatever it might be. And it might be a situation where you might be playing really well, and you might be playing better than Joey. And so I might give you more minutes at toward the end of that game, or you might be a better free-throw shooter or a better ball handler or maybe you're a better defender, whatever it is, the situation, the game, what we need, I might give you more minutes toward the end to the situation to put us in a position to succeed on the floor. But I'm also going to have everybody play throughout the game. But at toward the end, we might make some adjustments and you might play a little bit more. And then it might be another game where we're winning by quite a bit and the other individual didn't play as much. He's playing, he or she's playing more of that game. And most important. Don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. All right! This Let's is go. the Jim Huber Show. Let's go! Let me hear it! Woo! Rock and roll! Breakthrough Basketball Radio Network.